Um, so, thank y'all for coming out tonight. Um, we have uh, a special little treat that I want to put up here for y'all. So, Scroggins, I remember very, very uh, vividly, Scroggins said, oh, I'll give someone, I think he said like 50 bucks or 100 bucks if someone came on stage and put memes up. So, do y'all want to see some memes? Yeah, woo! So, this is going to be me tonight. So, tonight, I'm going to try to do exactly that. So, yeah, you can picture that. All right. And then these are all Christian-related because Christian memes are cool. Yeah. This one's funny. I laughed. I didn't get the last one, but I still laughed anyways because I didn't want to feel that, like that weird guy who looks at memes and doesn't get it. Okay. And then this one's the other. I love this one because I don't get why there's, like, still so many in the swear jar anyways. <laughs> like... I don't know if anyone else saw that and like thought the same thing. I was like, "What? How much? That's like 450, 475 in there. Wow!" But that's totally probably me, the one on the right. Like, I just my go-to word. I don't know. I relate to that. So you're welcome. I, I thought that that might relax you a little bit while we get into. Yeah, thank you. That was that was a lot of work. It was very hard. You have no idea how hard it was. It took me 45 seconds to just type in Christian memes. And I, like, scrolled through, like, 75 before I found some funny ones. And so, um, so anyways, um, I hope you are all doing great. And I hope you really paid attention to what Scroggins said last week. Um, last week, because I'm going to try to continue an idea that he kind of started. And I would reference the podcast for last week, but our dear old Ryan forgot to record it. So, so even, yeah... It's okay. Guys, he's a great guy. I'll, get, I'll give you something good in here, okay? So, <laughs> but Scroggins last week, he talked about how the kingdom is reality, right? And if you were here, you could remember that. And if not, I'll try to plug it in a little bit more here. Um, but he talked about how the kingdom is reality, how laws and rules are necessary, right? Okay. So, I'm going to talk about the God um, behind those rules and laws just a little bit more. So we can get some more clarification on that and um, in an area that is described as lordship. So um, before we dive right in, let's bow our heads and let's pray over tonight, okay? Father God, Father God, Father God, Lord, help us. Amen. Okay, so, so I'm the kind of guy that like isn't really scared to get sick. Is anyone else in here like that? Like, you're just like, like sickness doesn't scare you. I don't, that sounds so dumb to say, right? Like, now that I say it on stage. Um, so I'm the kind of guy that like, you know, if you drop food, I'm like, ooh, 50 second rule. Or like, I'm that guy, like I, I wrote in my notes to like react, like act it out. But like, I pick up the food, I'm like, like okay. <laughs> and I eat it anyways. It's, guys, that was a long time ago though. I've been a year clean, so we're good. So, and I know it's gross. I know it's gross. I get it. But the food isn't. So it's so worth it. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And a lot of y'all can relate to that. And you're probably laughing because all of y'all that laughed is, are, y'all are doing that. Y'all get off the floor. I know you do. So look, it, it all started for me as far back as I could remember anything. Like <laughs> I remember uh, vividly and I can recall just about like, I, I don't know, like as far back as like 
second, first grade of like people telling me like, hey, you know, sneeze the right way or like, you know, don't cough like that or like stuff like don't eat off the floor. Don't drink San Angelo water, like things like that where, where you're like, ah, oh, that's not going to do anything to me. Where's the proof? Like I, I've lived this long, right? I was in second grade. Like that was like a, <laughs> like a, a high peak in my life, which it totally was. But I distinctively remember that, but I also recall the very moment in second grade where I was like, I, I, I'm invincible. I'm immortal. You know what I mean? Like that second grade feeling where you're like, you're just like w- walking into class with your like lunchbox that like you made probably. And it was like just gummy fruits, like those fruit gummies, gummy fruits, fruit gummies and like, just like goldfish or something like, man, I was like totally not eating healthy when I was in second grade. But I... Like, I, I truly believe nothing could kill me at the time, right? And, um, and I was that gross kid that always was dared to, like, eat the most ungodly creations that second graders could come up with. Like, I was that kid that was like, oh, I'll do it for a dollar. Like, that's, that's the worst sentence I've ever said in my life. But they just, like, you know those people, those kids in lunch, right, that would just, like, mix, like, ketchup and then applesauce and, like, mix it all together? That sounds gross, right? And then, like, ranch or something. I wouldn't go that far. That's, that's, that's pretty bad. But I would totally do it for a dollar, so. <laughs> and um, that's, I mean, that's where I got my money to make my lunch, guys. Like, <laughs> so I believe that I was, I was officially at my peak in second grade. Um, nothing could stop me. And, um, I never really got sick growing up. Like, I mean, I can't really remember if I, if I did get sick and lost my memory or something, that that would make sense. But as far as I remember, like, I never remember like actually getting really, really sick from, from things like this. Right. And, um, and, and I did go home a lot for being sick, but that was because I just faked it. Uh, mm, no one else did that. Right. We're in church guys. Y'all need to like be more honest. I mean, I totally have never done that. So uh, I was an immortal, right? Like that's not a fun thing to say. Um, and then I met my match. Like I remember when I met my match and her God awful name was India. India was beautiful. The place was amazing. But those of you that like were there, you know, you like, it's like we've been to war, right? Like, we come back and we're veterans now. Like, we just support our country. Anyway, so. (laughs) So, now for those of you who don't know, we took a mission trip to India um, this past June. And it was awesome. It was incredible. Um, But, I guess, have you ever seen the movie um, Dante's Peak? Yeah, me neither. Um, but it has a volcano in it. And that's the safest way I can explain to you my experience in India. You might not get it, but... So if you want to know a fun fact, here's a really interesting scientific fact. This is for you science nerds, okay? So fun fact, did you know that diarrhea is hereditary? It runs in your genes. <clears throat> You're welcome. So... I think you get the picture, right? It's really sad that you can get the picture just based off of those two sentences. But you got the picture, right? Yeah, it could have gotten a lot worse, trust me. I, like, deleted and cut a lot. You're welcome. I, I, I saved you tonight with this. Like, I totally didn't want to do that to you. So, I think you get the picture. And I, I got food poisoning, right? I never had it. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, what is this? And, like, I, I didn't know what it was. I'd never experienced it. 
or maybe I didn't, maybe I just didn't know, but like, I never felt like I've ever been affected by anything like that. Like that was just like the most like, ah, traumatizing thing that I will never, ever forget. And the funny, the funniest thing about this entire experience for me was like, it wasn't even the curry that got me. It wasn't even like the weird food we ate off the streets and stuff. What got me was, was KFC. (laughs) Right? Our own patriotic Colonel Sanders got me, guys. I was shot down in the line of combat. Friendly fire for sure. It was definitely friendly fire. So (laughs) the funny part is, is I woke up that day just knowing that I was about to have the worst day of my life. And I, I remember waking up and just instantly, like, the moment I took a breath, I wanted to barf. And, like, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is going to be a tough day. And that night, I took so much medicine. I remember, Okay, so, like, that during that entire day, I just, like, you know, that stuff. And then, um, <laughs> I don't know which hand motion helps you, but I did both. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so. And I laid in bed just like, I remember I wanted to cry because I was just like, and like, I, they, so there was like three floors and I was at the top floor and like, so in India you have like a generator like thing that powers your like homes and stuff. Well, when no one's gone or when, when no one's gone, when everyone's gone and um, it's just you sick in bed, like for how 13, 14 hours, it felt like forever for me, but like the power turns off. So like it can save the energy, right? And so the power turns off and like, I'm in like the third floor of this house in India and like the power is off and I'm like sweating in bed, just laying there. And it was like excruciating. But I remember the next, that, that night I popped a lot of pills. I was like, I'm going to just knock out. And I did. And I woke up and I was like, wow, I've never done that before. That was great. And I, but I woke up and I was like, man, like. Uh, I still kind of feel nauseous, but everyone was like, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? I'm like, oh, good. Great. I'm so good. Let's go. And we went and I popped like nine pain meds and ibuprofen, two Benadryls, two Advil, chugged some Pepto. Like we're good to go. Right? Like I took that day like a champ. I remember distinctively how like horrible I I lied to myself, (laughs) but I mean, in my head, I didn't have food poisoning. Food poisoning had me. <laughs> Stay thirsty, my friends. So, but in reality, so that's in my head. In reality, in reality, I, I was like really, really dying. I was probably just like, I probably was really close to death. But in my head, I was fine, right? Like I convinced myself. So I was pretty convinced that I was invincible. Like, like out of my entire life, even one day I couldn't admit that like I could actually get really, really sick. Um... And I had created my own, like, silly little fantasy, right? Like, I went through that whole day just faking it till I made it, and uh, it didn't work out. But the craziest part is that I lived in that fantasy even, like, all the way in India across the entire globe. <laughs> and so, like, just thinking about that, but, but I was just so convinced at the time. I was like, to me, it was like, oh, mind over matter. Like, I'll be okay. Like, if I just believe I'm okay, I'm okay. It doesn't work like that when you have food poisoning and you're exploding. So, so tonight... So, okay, yeah, sorry. We're, we're done with that topic, by the way, guys. You're welcome. But um, I believe just like my own silly little fantasy, and it's a silly example, and I know it is, um, but I believe that there are some people that have their own fantasies, right? Like, I think we all live in those little, like, 
you know, or we're convinced on something, right? And we live that as our reality, even though it might not be what's really going on. And that might not be the true reality that we're living in. And so last week we talked about um, the God's laws are a description of reality. And so tonight I want to convey to you that lordship is no different than that. That lordship is a description of reality as well. Therefore, lordship is a description of personal reality. If you have personal lordship, it's a description of personal reality. And so tonight I want to help you, and this is going to start our, um, uh, the sermon tonight and go into our first slide. But um, I want to help you distinguish the difference between um, God being Lord of your life versus the idea, and what's true is God being Lord in your life. And so, and I put it like this just because, like, this is a very huge um, broad topic. This is a very, uh, this is probably one of the most difficult things I think I've done so far. Like, you know, um, trying to study and read and listen to things and, um, and, and study a lot of resource um, that was given to me. But I think the thing that I came to the conclusion of is that um, both are so important. They're both very important to understand. But I do believe that there is some confusion on how, um, how to truly understand a huge topic like this. That there are many Christians who, who know God is Lord of their life. Um, but personally, personally, they haven't gotten off the throne to make him Lord in their life. And so I want to, I want to take you through the process I had um, trying to understand lordship when I first got saved. Like, you know, they're like, oh, do you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're saving me, cool. Uh, I was like, the lordship part, I don't really get what that means. And um, it took me a while to like kind of actually get what it's truly about, what, it, what that saying is, because I just was so confused on it. And, um, and I, I mean, I'll tell you personally, I got a lot wrong for a, lot time, for a, for a long time. Like I got a lot wrong. And, um, and, and most of my confusion was that I didn't understand what I needed to know. And I didn't know why I needed to know it, right? Um, like, I didn't know why God was Lord or, or, or why he needed to be Lord of, of my life specifically. Like, you know, that'd be cool if he was, like, Lord of everyone else's life around me. But why do I need to make him Lord of mine? And I just couldn't comprehend that. I've, I never lived my life walking with Christ um, even though, you know, there was moments where I said I was a Christian. There was moments where I said I wasn't. Um, but while I was trying to figure out where, what I really wanted to truly believe and what I really wanted to truly uh, trust my entire life on, I had to know why, right? And so, so first, here's a reason why um, we need to know. We need to have something to understand in the beginning. And that might not make any sense, but... We need to know something, right? And we need to want to know something. So George Otis Jr., he has a phenomenal book. Um, most of everything that I got tonight is from him. Um, I'm not the smart one. He definitely is. You should read it. Um, if, you're like a, if, if you're a person that likes structure, like while reading, it's like, here's a point. There's a, a graph. Here's a chart. Here's another point. And it's like this super thick book that's just filled with great information laid out like awesomely. And it's just, it's an easier read because of it. So I love it. It's not just like a chapter book, but he says that we need to understand something before we can give or should give our lives to God. A man doesn't need to know a lot in order to come to Christ. 
But he does need to understand something and then live up to that. And so with that being said, like, let's try to understand some things tonight, right? Um, first, let's, let's talk about how God is already Lord of your life. And um, what that means on that point of God is Lord of your life, it's, it's hard to listen to an idea um, that I would say, like, of making God of your life if you, you know, are being told, right? Or, like, if you don't know him or if you don't really care to know him in that kind of way, right? Like, and I get it. Like, it's like if I tell you to follow someone's rules that you don't respect or don't understand or don't know, or you've never met them, it's going to be difficult, right? Or confusing or just not natural and maybe weird. So um, hopefully we can, you know, begin to understand a little bit more about God, his goals, um, just what he, uh, what he has in his heart. Because, I mean, if I, I believe God has the same feelings, emotions, intimacy, and, um, and he cares like we do, right? Because if we're made in his image, then we're made with those same kind of characteristics. And so I know that it's hard to, like, follow and trust rules. Um, and I get that. So to know this God a little bit more, um, let's take a look at God's motive real quick, right? And so um, maybe on the idea of why he wants us to uh, follow his descriptions of reality in the first place. Right? Like, if you really think, like, f- further into the question or into the, into the idea of what we're doing, um, he's not just giving us laws to follow for no reason. Right? And so th- there has to be something that he's trying to get at. There has to be a goal. There has to be something that he wants us to understand. And he's not just giving us, like, you know, blindly giving us rules and laws. Um, or, you know, even just advice or recommendations, whatever you want to say. But remember that laws are vital right? Laws are vital to our life. Um, if you weren't here in the, so Scroggins talked about last week, uh, I was going to say the podcast. So Scroggins talked about last week that, um, it's almost like driving on the wrong side of the road. And like, I think that that's so, that's like so vivid, such a good example of like, um, you might think that like, you might not need it, but it's for your own protection, your well being, your safety. Um, and, and, you know, to ensure your life, <laughs> to drive on the right side of the road with us in common sense and, um, and acknowledging that we know that driving on the left side is wrong for us in the country of Texas, right? Like, we understand that. <laughs> like, we know that you're not supposed to do that. But also, it's part of the reality of that, right? Like, it's reality that we know that, you know, to drive on the right side. Just because that person says it's true and correct to drive on the left side does not change the reality, right? That, you know, the laws have put in place. Um, But it's not just wise laws that God gives us. It's actually personal moral help, right? Like it's, it's more than, it's, it's more personal than just like a list of things. It's not that legalistic. Um, It's the best recommendations to us by a God who has surveyed the entire universe um, to find us the absolute best option for our, for our well-being, and that's to make him Lord. Like, he's a God who has already looked for things to give you that's better than him, if he could. <laughs> and so, we'll go right into that. Um, let's get to know... Okay, okay, so I don't, I'm not going to do that real quick. Um, so John 1 verse 5 says this, and I kind of want to just 
have this here for right now so we can kind of understand. It says that God is light and in him is no darkness. And this verse tells us that God's moral character is, is absolutely perfect. That he is uh, um, presently living up to all that his intelligence tells him he should be doing. And so, listen how George Otis Jr. describes the goal God has with you making him Lord. And this is in that book, The God They Never Knew. It says, As God lovingly and wisely surveys his created universe, he is acutely aware that in order to will our highest good, he must will his own highest good. It says, The happiness of all creation hangs dependent upon his well-being. God recognizes that the intrinsic value of his own being as the ultimate value in the entire universe, as a result, he unselfishly requires us to choose him, supremely for our well-being. If God surveyed the universe and he was unable to discover, or he was able to discover something more valuable than himself, he would, acting in wisdom, require us to choose that end instead. And he continues saying, when an object is perceived or understood by the mind to be intrinsically valuable, what that means is just valuable in and of itself, we cannot help but choose or refuse it. And those are two options right there. We cannot help but choose or refuse it. In other words, if we choose any other object other than which we have come to understand or come to understand as possessing intrinsic value, we are making a deficit choice. A knowingly deficit choice that the Bible calls sin. And I want to point out the word that he says right there. He uses the word we have come to understand. Right? And so this is us, you know, trying to understand. This was me trying to understand more about it. But what he's saying is that God has already studied, surveyed, and looked um, for other, other things. Um, the entire universe, he's, he's looked through it all. Uh, on on what humanity as a whole really needs. Not only as a whole, personally, what humanity really needs. And so, God is only genuinely trying to help us in our everyday life. Um, literally, by offering himself to, to sit in the center of our life, taking his time out of the day from running the entire universe, to come and spend time with us in our personal lives, on our, on our everyday um, and, and, and willing to do that and offering that to us. And so um, he's offering that because he's found that with him in your heart that it's beneficial for your well-being. And so if we want to call it love, right, then, then it has to be a choice. And that's why he gives us that choice to choose or refuse. Because um, without that, I, I, I don't believe that it would really be love. Um, and I think that's incredible. It's, it's beautiful that he offers us a choice to have him personally be our Lord. He offers us a choice. And so I think that's just like, I think that's kind of the opposite of legal, you know, having a legalistic view on things. But God for thousands of years has known this. Like he, he knows that like, you know, him being in our lives and our hearts um, and on the throne is beneficial for our well-being. He's known this, and he, he's put the desires in our hearts as humanity. Um, and and it's like I think of it like you know when you used to play video games. If you played, 
I don't know what kind of question that is. When you played video games when you were younger, do you remember, like, when you definitely could not beat a level or pass a level that, like, even the game would get bored and irritated with you and was like, do you want a hint? (laughs) Like, here's a hint. Take this hint. Like, here's the answer. Like, you've been on this level for a really long time. Let's get through this, please. And, like... I feel like it's like that same thing when Netflix is like, hey, are you still watching? <laughs> like, you know, that's okay. That's more relatable right now. Okay. <laughs> so I think that that's the kind of same thing that like that God does on a different level. But like he gives us this longing in us, um, even when we don't know him or when we reject him and, and we still desire him anyways. And it's written in our DNA. And here's the biblical proof on that his creation desires and longs um, for him unwillingly or even unintentionally. And Acts 17, 22 um, to, to 31, and this is so cool. Uh, I was shown this by our one and only remarkable Ryan <coughs> Goff. <coughs> Goff, my bad. Um, in this portion of Paul's uh, journey, uh, before he got to Jerusalem, he stopped in Athens to talk to some brilliant asparaguses. Asparagus. Arapogus, Arapagus. I think that's why they were named after a vegetable. <laughs> so we'll call them asparagus. It's Arapagus. So people who, they were brilliant minds. Like some were poets and philosophers. These are scholars that he talks to. Sometimes people think that like, oh, Paul was just talking to like just random people on the street. Like he was like, you know, when he was like working on like making things to sell to fundraise his mission trips. But like he also talked to like some really intelligent, smart people. Like people that knew the things that they studied, like, like you know, like probably better than their life. Like that was their life. And, um, and, and the cool part is, is like Paul also studied what all of them studied. Like he wasn't just ignorantly walking in and telling people about God and like devaluing what they studied without knowing what he was talking about. And so this is super cool. I thought it was really cool. Paul describes in, um, in this portion of scripture that while he was walking around this temple, they made with objects and sculptures um, of things or gods they worshipped. He noticed they had an empty, um, an empty altar with the description titled with it to an unknown God. And, and like when I remember sitting there when Ryan was talking about this, I was like, whoa, I've never heard this before. Like, this is incredible. And, and then he showed me this book, too. It was um, called the Eternity in Their Hearts. I personally remember that to tell you this tonight. Thank you, Ryan. So this book, and I haven't looked at it yet, but, like, he's told me a little bit about it. It talks about just, like, over the past thousands of years, like, that, like you know, all around the world, God has been on people's hearts. The gospel has been on people's hearts, and they just don't know that it's the gospel or um, not only that, like even missionaries go and talk to them and they're telling them about a God that they've named a different God. And it just happens to be the same kind of God that we're, you know, we're talking about. But the fact that the missionaries didn't know it, they're like trying to convert them to a God that they're already serving. And it's just, it's incredible. And, um, and Paul, he's, he's going in there and he's like, he's there like tell, to tell them about the gospel. And he notices that they, that they left this altar for a God that's more superior than all of their other gods that they've created. And they, they even acknowledge that too. They're like, oh, this is for something that's supposed to be here. We don't know who he is or, or what he is, but we do know that there has to be something that created all of this. And not only created it all, is more superior and, and valuable than all of, all of these other gods that we've created. And it's so funny to see that, like, 
That eternity was already in their hearts from the beginning. And, and that blows my mind. It blows me away. And, um, and I think the even, like, the cooler part about all of this is that they were geniuses and, and like, who probably didn't even believe in our God, but they still created an altar for him. And um, it's crazy to see that. Like, have you ever met anyone or heard anyone, like, say things like, oh, man, like, before I got saved, like, I just, I, or even when they're getting saved, they're like, or, you know, when they just got saved, they're like, I knew there was something that I was missing. I knew there was a, a hole in my heart or a missing piece to my life. Like, I knew there, my, I knew I longed for something, right? And, like, and it's just, it's crazy to see that that doesn't just happen in, in San Angelo, by the way. That happens across the entire world, that people come to that realization, like, there's something here that, like, I just have known, con- like, subconsciously, too, that I've desired and longed for something and, 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 and to fill in that blank, you know? And, um, God is, is Lord of the whole universe because he only wants the best for it. He, he loves us and he wants um, us to choose him, not for his sake, but for ours. And I think that that's beautiful. He's not a God demanding us to love him because he gets something out of it. Like, I literally can't think of anything that we can give God that, that he needs from like us, you know, like that without us giving that to him, that he will perish Right? Like, he, he's doing this because he knows it's beneficial for ourselves. And he only wants what's... Uh, he, he, he doesn't just want this to be a generic thing, right? He wants it to be a personal experience that you can have with him. And so, now that we've covered that, now that we've covered... I know that took a while. But now that we've covered um, God being Lord of your life a little bit, let's, let's take a look into the next section. Why, why make God Lord in your life? And that was a tough one for me. That was the one that was a lot harder. Is um, it felt like it was like attacking like my pride because it was, <laughs> but like making me feel like I need to step down from a place. Um, so remember when I told you how I made my own little fantasy about being invincible, and I have to call it a fantasy now because I can't believe in it anymore. <sighs> India really had a toll on me, guys. Like I'm scared to even like. Uh, you want to know something funny? This is off script, so you're, <clears throat> this, is, this is my first time doing this. So, <laughs> that sounds so weird. So, um, <laughs> when, when we got back from India, the next day, like, I went to um, the Scroggins' house, and, like, Katie was like, oh, hey, Andrew. She doesn't talk like that, but right now she does. She's like, hey, Andrew, I make, I'm making curry tonight. And I was like, no way. I was like, ha, 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 that's funny. I got food poisoning, ha, ha, ha. She's like, yeah, we're getting curry. And like, uh, I, I, I ate it. And I really didn't like it. But it wasn't because she made it or anything. Like, it was actually the, it was better than it, than it was in India. I just, I couldn't do it. Oh, I'm kind of glad she's not here tonight. <laughs> I would have gotten some really mean stares. <laughs> I'm lying. I only did that because I knew she wasn't here. No, I was kidding. So, just like I had that little fantasy, like a fantasy, like that I only believed in, and everyone else was like, "You're dumb. Like you're sick." Um, I I think there's there's also a, a fantasy for Christians that we have, uh, Christianity fantasy. Like there's just like it's just there's something that you know we can kind of toy around with when it comes to Christianity and reality, but a fantasy. Uh, world where Christians have actually placed themselves on the throne 
and also truly believe that God is Lord of their, their life. And this idea, it derives from a little chart called the carnal man, which biblically it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 3. But this chart right here, it's in the book as well, um, The God They Never Knew by uh, George Otis Jr. And this, this chart right here, if you can see it, hopefully, um, it's a little blurry, but the H-looking thing is a throne. The E-looking thing, which is definitely an E, is ego or finite self. It's, it's you. Um, and then the little dots are just all of your interests. Um, Netflix, baseball, soccer, YouTube, makeup tutorials, I don't know. Whatever it is, that's the rest of you. And the cross is Christ, who is either in the first one, uh, outside the life, the second one, in the life, but off the throne, and the third one, in the life, and on the throne. Um, so we have the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. And so, with that, um, I believe the first one is, you know, it, I think we all are aware of the first and the third one, right? Like, we can kind of look at them. That one makes a lot more sense. The second one can be one where we might have to take a second glance because, and that one also confuses me and it kind of like makes me, you know, have some questions like, you know, oh, are they really a Christian or like how much of a Christian? If that one's a spiritual man and the carnal man has himself on the throne, does he just believe that, you know, God is probably on the throne and, or, or you know, is he really just intentionally doing that? Um, is God even in the circle if he's not on the throne right there? Like, there's a lot of things where I'm like, that looks like he's in his own little world or like he has his own idea of, of what Christianity looks like. And, and if Christianity is, you know, like many little Christs <laughs> or like, you know, we're just serving God and then we're calling ourselves Christians, but we're not just calling ourselves Christians that we have God in the center. Then that's, yeah, that's a spiritual man. And so what everything means for this is this is just the position of where we have placed ourselves and where we have placed God. It has nothing to, to do with where God is actually at. It's just where we're placing him in our individual lives, right? Like God, I mean, if God is a creator of the universe, if he is all-powerful, all if he is, you know, who he says he is, then I think he could have all the power to change all of this if he wanted to. But because, like we've established already, it's all a choice, and he gives us the opportunity, and he offers this to us, that we choose where we put him in our life. And it's not, it's not where God stands in your life, but it's the throne that he sits on that matters. And it's the throne in our heart. Because I, I personally don't believe that anything else matters except for the cross, <laughs> the, the, the Christ logo. Like if, or not only that, but if I'm just looking at the throne and seeing what's on it, I really don't think all of the rest matter. Like the dots and, you know, what else could be inside of the circle or outside of the circle. I think if you just look at the throne and see what's on it, I think that tells you everything you need to know. Right? Like what's, what's on the throne? Who's on the throne? And so, um, George Otis Jr. says, again, in a lovely way, he says, on the level of intention, only one choice exists. You can choose to live for yourself supremely or God supremely, but you cannot live for both simultaneously. And not only does George say that, I mean, the Bible says that, but, you know, if we're not even talking about the Bible, I think, logically, we know that. <laughs> I think something in us knows 
that two things can't be in one seat if the one seat was made for one one thing? <laughs> Does that make sense? Are y'all following? Like, I think we, we get that. Like, basic mathematics, basic, like, if we're not trying to be too technical or confusing, I think we understand that. Like, we know, you know, if there's an empty seat, oh, that's for, for one person, that throne. So, you're ultimately given the choice, right? Like, you're given the choice to, um, to be the, the non-believer or the natural man. And that could be just ignoring God's lordship or not understanding or not knowing God's lordship. And the carnal Christian, the carnal man, um, lives kind of outside of reality, right? And being a spiritual person lives in the reality. And I know that this sounds so legalistic or maybe incorrect to you. Um, and, but I boiled it down to just make this really blunt for a reason. Because I believe that God put a desire in our hearts to not only just know him, but to know you know, more about him, to long for him, to desire him, even if you're a, you know, a cynical or a skeptical kind of guy, like no matter what it is, like there's something in your heart that's desiring to either just get more information on him. Um, if that's to debate with with people or to, to, to find answers for your life, right? Like we we're searching for that. I think everyone, even atheists and, and, and just the basic non-believers are searching for something, and it's always like a, a higher thing, right? Or a higher being. And so, but God puts this desire in our hearts and in your conscious. And he made himself available. And not only did he make himself available, he, he's reached out to you. He's put people around you. He's brought you to something like tonight. He's given you the thoughts. He's helped you. He's walked with you. And I think that you know you've had a lot of opportunities to make some choices, right? Like when it comes around um, the journey of life. (laughs) But he's proved himself to you. And I think he continues to do that every day. And then I think the most beautiful part is, is he's waiting on you. Like he's done everything in his part. He will continue to do everything on 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 his part. But he leaves us with a choice. And it's a tough, hard choice. And we've been confronted with this choice so many times in so many different ways by so many different people, right? And it's been described to us. And and we have, for some Christians, that, that one task is just too much. Our end is too much. Like everything else God has done for us, um, the things he's helped us with, like just allowing us to understand like, hey, I'm telling you, you need me, but it's not because I need you to need me. It's because for your well-being. I've looked everywhere else. This is for your well-being. Like, if you want to have, and I say well-being, I mean, like, that, like, the eternity feeling of the gap of, like, longing, desiring, uh, peace, rest. Um, And and I don't say those things because they're basic. I say those things because, like, that's true things that you find. (laughs) Like, there's true rest. And, um, And it's for a soul. And... For some Christians, our end to make a, a decision is too hard. Uh, we, we, we ignore the facts or we, we try to disprove and argue everything. Or, or we want to keep one foot in and one foot out. And that was me. I was the guy that was like, you know, for these few years, I'm a Christian. And then oh, these next years, I don't believe in anything. Like, that doesn't even make sense. And then some years, I'm like, oh, science. Like, and then, like, I started, like, 
acting like that's like a backbone that's that's that I could use. And then like I've been I've been in and out before, and I. But even the answers and information I had, I never had transformation. I never had my life actually change. And he gives us this, and we ignore it, or we, like I said, we're in and we're out, or, or we just cannot commit. But like I said before, God is waiting for something. God is waiting for us to do something, to say something, to choose something. And he's given you the facts that he's Lord, and he's made himself available with open arms. And this is why I think James gives us a great description um, in the book of James in the Bible. But I'm pretty sure that James could give us some good stuff too. Because he has. <laughs> I should have clarified that. I don't even know why I did that. But um, in the book of James, he gives us a description to better understand uh, what it is when we doubt. But not just doubt, but don't believe in the reality that's given or we don't want to. Like it's more of like an intentional thing that is, than it is accidental. Right? Like it's like, like I said before, it's like that one foot in, one foot out. Like, uh, like I like that the door can stay open because <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> like, and so James 1 verses 5 through 8 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask... You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like like a, a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And that last uh, verse eight is the most, I would say, the most important. Whenever it says such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do, like that uh, that. Double-minded part matters a lot, right? Because it helps us realize, okay, so this is an, this is an intentional thing, or uh, you know, us choosing to be, you know, on on the fence, one side or the other, right? So verse five is also key because it states the fact that no thing, no truth, no provision, provision, or wisdom is withheld or buried from you. In fact, it's waiting right in front of you. So nothing is withheld when it comes to God. It's, it's, it's on a silver platter right in front of you. And the only thing is that you look for a way or a path that, that just might not exist. Right? Like Christ as Lord is the way, the truth, and the light. See, the, the carnal man hasn't realized that he's created an alternate reality of his own Christ is the way, the truth, and the light. No one gets to, the, to enter the throne room that is not part of the kingdom. A kingdom is signified as the domain in which the king is supreme. Therefore, if, if Christ is not king in your heart, then you have not entered the throne room. If you have not entered the throne room, then, you must, then that must mean that the king that, you, that you're referring to it was was one of your own making like he, he was made by you that king right i made a weird noise so i lost track but thankfully we have god who doesn't lose track because that's exactly what my next line is but thankfully we have god who puts eternity in our hearts
That might have been awkward for y'all. It wasn't awkward for me, by the way. Who puts eternity in the hearts of man to make a choice to put him on the throne of your life personally. So to close this out, if Ben wants to go ahead and come back up, uh, I kind of just want to, to reiterate that order of things, what we covered, because it was confusing for me. I got like seven headaches in like two days trying to like figure out the best way to like describe these things to you because it was confusing to me. Is that first we need, to, we need to understand that we have a de- desire to understand, right? Like we need to understand something. And that just means seeking further into um, what's given to us. And what's given to us is that God is declaring that he is Lord of your life. Right? And so, we now know that God is Lord of the universe. We also now know that God needs to be Lord of our lives. And and it's not because he needs it. It's because we need it. And that's it. That's, um, it's all based on his interest of your personal well-being. Like, he's actually interested on how you're doing. He's not just like... I mean, he, if he knows how you're doing and he's still interested, then wow, like, it's a really caring God. Because if God really, you know, knows who we are and knows our hearts, and then, then he's actually really interested in us. And, he, you know, like, for me, I know that I have, like, a lot of mess-ups. And so, for me to know that there's a God who actually cares about me, it really makes things more personal for me. And he's, he cares about how you feel. But he isn't a God who wants to be used. I, I don't think that God, and we say God's a gentleman and God knocks and, and God waits for you. But he also doesn't like to just, like, oh, God, like, like if we refer back to the, the, the graph that we had. Like, God's not like, oh, I don't mind being in your circle so you can use me for blessings and your prayer request and, and, and all the little things that you need when you need me. And I, I don't mind never being on the throne. Right? Like, I think God, that's why I said that that one, I think, looks more like a fantasy to me. So he doesn't want to be used, but he he doesn't want some pieces of you either. He wants all of you. All all the good, the bad, the ugly, the, I mean, you know, everything that you've decided on and haven't decided on. and, And all your thoughts that you've been having for years and your questions for years. He knows that. And he still desires to, to be a part of your life. And so. It's, it's the vessel of your life that he wants to fill. It's not just a, a temporary spot. Right? Like he wants to, to take residence there to help. And, and being filled in this area is incredible, guys. And it's, it's literally life-changing. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. So, tonight I want to go ahead and um, close this out in prayer. And I, I wrote this really cool quote. I didn't put it on a slide, but I wrote it down last minute that I was reminded of um, before we started. And it's uh, something Leonard Ravenhill says. And if you don't know who that is, check him out on YouTube. He's a genius. And he's not just very smart, very, very blunt. He's very straight to the point, And he's the kind of like the call out everything wrong with everything kind of guy. And he's incredible. Um, but he says, you, you find your life when you lose your life. 
And, and that's said by a lot of other people as well. But like the, I've heard that said before. And, and there's something scary, right, about making someone Lord of your life, making God Lord of your life. There's something scary or something that, you know, has us on the fence. But it's also comforting when, when on the other side we actually find our life. And so I think it's also replicated in, in um, trying to be like Jesus, right? Like you think that the more you're turning into, you know, that the more that you're uh, looking like Jesus, it's not just that you're looking like Jesus, you're being who your real self is supposed to be as well. And it's like that crazy, like only supernatural thing, right? <laughs> when you lose your life, you find your life. So if y'all can all just bow y'all's heads and close y'all's eyes. I want to pray for you tonight, and then after we pray, we'll go back into to a song, and then we'll release.